Hey, praise the Lord. Take your Bibles, Galatians, this morning, the book of Galatians, chapter number six. And once again, what a joy it is to open up the Word of God here today. And uh, so many guests, and I know I walked around getting to meet so many of you and shake your hands. Many out-of-town guests, people that are special in our church family, uh, some uh, old members, some that had moved away, uh, others that passed through, and I uh, saw the mocks just a little bit ago. And uh, they're resident members, uh, we'll get them someday, and uh, we're going to get them to move down here someday, but uh, they stop in every couple months and feel like they fit right in. It's great to have Pastor and Mrs. Rule here as well, and uh, Natalie's parents, the Strofes, and what a blessing to have them. I will not mention everybody, but I sure appreciate Pastor Rule. Uh, as a young man, a couple, ah, just been a couple years ago, I'm still the young man, uh, a couple years ago, I had a conversation with him. I believe it was at a Denny's uh, down at Lancaster. Him and his son Gabe were there and had the opportunity to fellowship with them. But I was at a, just a, a difficult, different time in ministry for me and I had some questions and needed some advice. And Pastor Rule was there uh, to give some godly counsel and to provide some help and uh, to increase my faith. And really what we talked about that day and what he gave me was something that uh, I put into practice and I'll tell you what it did, Pastor, it increased my faith. And uh, what a wonderful blessing to have men of God that speak into your lives, that are willing to take time of that. I did not want to mention everybody, but I sure appreciate the influence that Pastor has made uh, in my life over the years. Let's take our Bibles, Galatians chapter number six. We are still in my favorite time of year. Uh, it starts with Thanksgiving. Nothing like starting with a big feast, amen? Uh, and then the holidays traveling through Christmas, and I pray you had a wonderful Christmas, a great time with friends and family, and then into the new year. And I really, really love the new year. I love an opportunity to press a reset button. How many are there with me? You need to press a reset button. Yes. And that is, I, the new year does that for me, an opportunity to reflect a little bit about what God's done in our lives in 2019 and than what God would want to do in our lives in 2020. Nothing like a fresh start. And if you really think about it, we mentioned it earlier, but not only is it a fresh start, a new year, but it's also a new decade. And there's some things that I want to see God do in the decade. I don't think they're going to happen this next year, Zach, but I do believe we'll see them in the next 10 years. And to think about that and to meditate on that is exciting. I believe God has wonderful things in store for you this year. I believe God has wonderful things in store for our church this year. Next Sunday morning, first Sunday of the year, we'll have Share the Vision Sunday. And I'll be laying out a theme for the year. We'll preach on that theme, share some prayer requests and some things we'd like to see accomplished uh, in 2020. But this morning, I pray the Holy Spirit would encourage you to consider a few things uh, that maybe in the next day or so, you would stop and reflect about the next year and the next decade of your life. Our text this morning, here in Galatians chapter number six, we read a wonderful principle. Matter of fact, it's, it's more than just a principle, it's really a promise from God. Paul, in context, here in Galatians six, is using this promise in regards to meeting the needs of those who minister the word of God to you. Uh, again, he will use the same promise in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 as he describes being generous with your giving and being a cheerful giver. But I do not believe Paul, or more specifically the Lord, 
was giving us a promise that only applied to that one area of our life. You say, Pastor, why do you think that? Why do you believe that? I don't just believe, I'm convinced of it. Considering this promise or a form of it is found in the book of Proverbs, the book of Romans, again in 1 Corinthians, the book of Hebrews, and Christ himself teaches it there in the Gospels. So it's not just for those two, though that is the context in which we find these three verses here in Galatians chapter number six. Would you stand with me real quick one more time to stretch out, stretch out, and uh, it's kind of like the snooze alarm for some of you. And uh, it woke you up for just a minute, and in just a minute you'll be able to sit back down, and uh, it'll be okay. Galatians chapter number six, and would you look there with me at verses seven through nine. Galatians six, verse number seven. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Before prayer, I have just a couple questions for you to think about throughout the message. What are you hoping to reap? or harvest this year? What are you hoping to reap or harvest in your life and in your family's life, in your marriage this next decade? What do you desire for God to do in your life in 2020? Another honest question. What are you planting? Or what are you going to plant this next year? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word, the power of it. And this morning, I recognize I'm inadequate for the task at hand. I need your Holy Spirit's help. I pray that he would guide my mind. I pray that he would guide my thoughts. I pray the words that would come out of my mouth would be pleasing to you and in line with what you would desire for our hearts and minds this morning. I do pray that as the Holy Spirit speaks to me, that he'd speak to each one of us in the room. May your son Jesus be lifted up. May you give us some thoughts, some encouragement, something to strengthen us as believers as we step into a new year and a new decade. And we'll be sure to thank you and praise you for the work that you do. We come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, to ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. My Bible reading earlier this week brought me to one of my favorite characters, as well as a wonderful illustration for the text that we're looking at here today. I found myself in Numbers chapter 13 reading about a character named Caleb. Caleb. How many know who Caleb is in Scripture? For those of you who don't, we're going to talk, and I'll give you just a little bit of introductory, try to help you catch it here this morning. For others, it'll be a review. Caleb was one of the 12 spies that was sent out by Moses into the land that God had promised to spy out the land. Not to decide if the children of Israel should go into the land. It was a survey trip. It was a trip that was meant to go in to consider the resources of the land, to consider the people of the land, to consider uh, what uh, God would do and what the next uh, challenge would be for them. Caleb was on that trip with 11 others. 
These spies, after spending months surveying the promised land, come back to the nation of Israel and they report before Moses and before the people. And we have that report in Numbers chapter 13, verse number 25. Let me read it to you this morning. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong and dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. They were giants of the land. And Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. The ten were supposed to just give a survey trip. But instead of giving a trip, they gave their opinion. That the children of Israel should not go. And these ten gave a faithless report. They showed concern for the giants. They showed concern for the cities, and they persuaded the people against claiming the blessing that God had in store for them. Now, you can hear the fear, you can hear the mumblings, you can hear the groanings, you can hear uh, kind of the the chatter amongst the, the congregation, the nation of Israel there, and a young man has to get a word in. Caleb has to say something. And so there in verses number 30, the Bible says, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses. Hey, I need you to quiet down just for a minute. I need you to listen up. I've got something to say. And this is what Caleb said. Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the negative report, the faithless report of the others had already done its damage. They decide that they want nothing to do with that land. And in Numbers chapter 14, the congregation lifts up their voice before the Lord. And this is what they said. And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. What a foolish statement. What stupidity from the mouth of people who God had done so much for. Would to God that we had died in Egypt. But they go on. Or would to God we had died in the wilderness, and wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? Not only did they say that uh, it would have been better for them to die in Egypt, but they blamed God. They said God wanted to murder us. God wanted to kill us and our children and our spouses, and so he brought us to this place. And they said one to another, verse number four, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. The Bible says Moses and Aaron fell on the faces before the congregation of the children of Israel. Caleb had something more to say. Matter of fact, there was another young man named uh, Joshua there that uh, chimed in with him. They they, They heard the report, they heard what the people said, but they wanted to make sure they got another word in. The Bible says there in verse number seven of Numbers chapter 14, they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. 
Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. I love what they said. These people there, God put them there to be our resources. We're gonna read later that the children of Israel had houses that they did not build and fields that they did not plow and lands that they did not cultivate and all these wonderful things. Why? Because God was providing it for them. And Caleb and Joshua said, neither fear you the people of land for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. And the next verse says this. But the congregation bid stone them with stones. The people of Israel said, no, 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 no. Matter of fact, we hate your report so much, they wanted to kill both Caleb and Joshua. What remarkable faith of Caleb and what unbelief of the multitude of Israel. And at this moment, don't miss this, the seeds had been planted. The seeds had been planted. Caleb and Joshua just planted their seed. And the children of Israel just planted their seed. Galatians chapter six, verse number seven says this, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The Bible tells us that the glory of the Lord came down and in God's anger, God's wrath was so against the children of Israel, he wanted just to wipe them out right there. He tells Moses, I just prefer to start over. Bunch of people who've watched me do so many things, even in front of their faces, yet they don't believe that this land that I've provided for them is something that I could get them through. He wanted to wipe them out and decimate them. And then the Lord is going to announce the harvest. You see, there was a seed planted, and now God's going to come in and he's going to tell the people and also Joshua and Caleb what the harvest of the seed planted is going to be. Numbers chapter 14, the Bible says, and the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, have tempted me now these 10 times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and had followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went and his seed shall possess it. Verse number eight of our text passage, Galatians six, for he that soweth of his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth of the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. The children of Israel planted a seed based on personal preference, lack of faith, convenience of the moment, and distrust in an almighty God. And the seed they produced was corruption, decay, and ruin. How many know this morning Outside of Joshua and Caleb, the name of one other of the ten? Maybe there'd be one or two here this morning that could name a few. Let me just read these names for you. Emil, Gadai, Gadiel, Jewel, Egal, Nabi, Pilati, Sether, Shamu, Shaphat, 
You can't recognize those names. And if I wasn't reading them, I couldn't recognize those names. Why is that? They planted a seed that reaped a harvest. The next 40 years, the children of Israel would reap their planting. Wandering in the wilderness, remembering their time of doubt and dying off just short of what could have been. And the next 40 plus years, Caleb would wait to reap on the promise of his planted seed. Galatians chapter 6 verse number 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Did Caleb faint? Did his faith fail? Did did Caleb become weary in his well-doing? We find the rest of the story of Caleb in Joshua 14, 45 years later. 45 years later. The children of Israel had gotten done with the wilderness wandering. They had spent five years conquering. And now it was time to divvy up the land. It was time to divide it to the portions that it was going to go to, to the different tribes and the different people. And here comes Caleb. Caleb steps up to the front and he has something to say. Oh, he had something to say 45 years ago and he has something to say today. Chapter 14, verse number 10, Caleb says, And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. As he said these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake by the mouth of Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. He's 85. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. And my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, I love what he says, now, therefore, give me this mountain where the Lord spake unto me that day. And Caleb claims, Caleb reaps, Caleb harvests. He gets the possession, the mountain, after years of waiting on the promise of God because of a seed that he had sowed decades earlier. Could you imagine Caleb standing there? It's harvest time. The waiting time is over. It's time to harvest the promise of God. I asked you earlier, what are you hoping to reap this year? What are you hoping to reap this next 10 years? What do you desire for God to do in your life? I'm not here this morning to talk about a job promotion or weight loss or bass boats or remodels or a new house. I think most people, when you think, what do you want in the next decade? Some of those things would be on that list. Those will all disappear one day. I'm reminded we have a foundation that's built on Jesus Christ. But what we put on top of that foundation is up to us. First Corinthians talks about that in chapter 3, verse number 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. How many understand those are two completely different groups of things? Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Verse number 13, for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire, and that fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. I'm afraid there'll be so many Christians 
one day that as their works, as their life, as what they've put upon that foundation is tried by fire, they're saved. They'll be in eternity in heaven. There's just not much to show for what they put on the foundation. They didn't build things that will last for the next life. They did not plant things that will reap a reward in eternity. What do I desire for you to reap? Let me give you a few things just from my heart. I pray this year you would reap authentic Christianity. That you would be a real Christian. That your Christianity would be more than, more than just a surface thing. But it would be something that comes from the inside, from the heart and from the mind. Oh, I pray this year you'd find yourself in a strong godly marriage or in a strong godly relationship. I pray you would find Christ-honoring children in your home. A spirit-filled walk with God. I pray this this next decade for you would reap a powerful prayer life. That this next decade would reap for you disciples for Christ. Fruit that remains for your work and your love and your investment in those around you. All byproducts of a spirit-filled seed. I don't know about you, I desire to reap God's blessings from a spirit-filled life. Verse number eight, we read it. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Sow it to the spirit. There's nothing like doing things that the spirit of God asks you to do. Listening to the Holy Spirit in your life and responding to his plan. Let me share a few powerful applications, what I believe to be powerful applications in our text. Number one, if you want these things mentioned, authentic Christianity, strong godly marriage, a relationship, Christ-honoring children, a spirit-filled walk with God, a powerful prayer life, disciples for Christ, or fruit that remains, and there's so many other things that we could list this morning, but if you want these things mentioned, You must start planting seeds today. You must start planting seeds today. Verse number seven, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth. Whatsoever a man soweth. At some point, you've got to start planting. You've got to start planting. I'm so grateful for a Christian mom. She was not always that way. I've given my testimony numerous times. Uh, my parents decided to start going to church when I was born. My mom grew up Presbyterian. My dad grew up Catholic. They met in the middle. How Baptist is that? I have no idea. But we found ourselves there in a Southern Baptist church. And my mom began listening to the Holy Spirit and began planting a seed and planting a seed and planting a seed and planting a seed. And I believe I'm here this morning because of a godly mom who started planting seeds when I was in my youth. She is reaping today those seeds. But watch this. You got to start planting. I spent time with my father-in-law this week, my mother-in-law, two of the godliest people that I know. I love talking to my father-in-law and my mother-in-law too. I love talking with my father-in-law. He shared his testimony when I, was, when I was with him a little bit this week. And 
He said they had gotten married, they were in the army, and they had gotten married, and then three months later were led to the Lord by a pastor of a church there in California. And then from then on, they just started doing what God asked them to do. You know, we'll gather, we, we leave later today to head down to Tennessee, and we'll gather with, uh, there's five kids and their spouses, and then 19 grandkids. It'll be a full house. But we'll gather together with all of them. I don't think this is, I'm not saying this because this is the highest mark, but all of the kids in ministry someplace, all of the grandkids that have graduated or are in Bible college or right now they're preparing for God's work in their life. And I'm telling you, it's just a different spirit. I mean, we'll sit down at the table with 31 people there, and the spirit is just incredible. But you know where that spirit came from? That spirit came from a young man and a young lady who was newly married, who had just gotten saved, who started listening to the word of God in their life. And they began just doing what the Holy Spirit of God told them. They began planting seeds and planting seeds and planting seeds. I can't imagine what goes through their mind tomorrow as everybody sits down for dinner. I, can, I know what will go through my mind. Boy, I would love to see that one day. You gotta start someplace though. You have to first plant a seed. You don't wake up with authentic Christianity. You don't wake up with a godly marriage, right? You don't just wake up and all of a sudden you got kids who honor Christ with their life. You don't just wake up and have a powerful prayer life or wake up and all of a sudden have a spirit-filled walk with God. No, they're products of first planting seeds that get you there. Number one, you must plant today what you will reap later. Number two, you are going to reap in proportion to what you planted. You're going to reap what you plant. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I have an illustration here this morning that I believe I'm going to get in in our time. This will be great. And uh, we've got Gatorade. How many like lemon-lime Gatorade? I don't. I'm glad one of you do, okay? Uh, but that's, that's what was available. Let me get the rest of this stuff. <laughs> I hope this will be a blessing and a help to you. Number one, you must plant today what you'll reap later. Number two, you're going to reap what you plant. If, if we take this morning, this, this Gatorade bottle, and this is a picture of the blessings of a spirit-filled life. You see the color of that this morning? It's full. I would love to drink this right now. My guess is when I open it up and I taste it, it's going to taste like lemon-lime Gatorade. It, it's, it's right there. There is the example. Let me say this morning... If this is what you want, you have to plant the things that are going to lead to it. There's times when I, I stop and admire the faith of somebody. And as a younger man, I admire the life that other people have lived. Pastor Rule is here, so I can use him as an example. I, I look at Pastor Rule, I admire him. I've heard his testimony, I've heard him preach. 
what God has done in my life through his preaching and through his testimony and his family and the camp. So many things. I look at that, Doc, and I say, you know what? I want that. I mean, I like that. I mean, I want to copy that. But I must understand that there's some seeds that have been planted to get that. And if I don't plant those same seeds... I will not get the product that I want. See, we find ourselves living in a culture today that that says, "Ah, I I I want the product. But I really don't want all the things that go into getting the product. My mom used to joke about my dad's side of the family all the time. They loved us as kids, my brother, my sister, and me. And they admired, they would, they, would tell, they would tell my mom, man, your, your kids are just different. We are a little different. Uh, your kids are just different. Your, your kids, when they show up, they're respectful. They're, they're clothed decently. They, they can carry on a conversation with an adult. I mean, they, when you say come, they come. Boy, it's just Amazing. They would talk about that, and they, they, would, they would explain that. My, my mom would try to share with me. In the end, this is what it was. They loved the product, but they didn't want to go through the things that takes to get the product. They wanted to reap the harvest without planting the seeds. Ah, we, we live in, in a church, and sometimes we can be guilty of, yeah, I, I can live off of one service a week. I mean, one, I mean, if I just get a good Sunday morning service in, I'm good. Let me ask you, what kind of product do you want? Because there's a product that comes from Sunday morning, and Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and getting in your Bible on Monday morning, and getting in your Bible on Tuesday morning, and personal devotions on Wednesday through Saturday. There's a type of product that comes from that that, my friend, you are not going to get if you use a third of the recipe. I, I, have, I have here a water bottle. Very close to the same consistency. Very close. I took one third of what I used to make that this, and it came out like that. How many understand that there's a difference this morning? There's a difference in appearance, and I promise you, there's a difference in taste. This is not that. And this is definitely not that. And we think, oh, well, I, I, can, I can just put in my Sunday morning time and I can get this. I can, once again, I, I can work hard and just spend a little bit of time with my kids here and there. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't really need to, to pray with my children. I really don't need to pray with my spouse. I really don't. I mean, church, once again, it's church and And we love the product, but you don't get this by putting in a third of what it is. Oh, but but pastor, I've I've heard hundreds of messages preached, and I don't remember much of any of them. I mean, message after message after message, and I I really don't, don't catch much of any of them. Is it really that good for me? I've been married 12 years. My wife has made a lot of meals for me. I don't remember very many of them. I don't remember very many of them. But I'll tell you this this morning. 
I wouldn't want to live off a third of them. I wouldn't want to live off a third of them. I want every single one of them. And I was excited to eat every single one of them. And to think that a third of them for the next decade would be good for me, hang that. No, I still want breakfast and lunch and I still want dinner. I still want what's there. See, it sounds like foolishness when we put it in the realm of food. But how many times do we find ourselves practicing that? Oh, I can read my Bible once a week. I just have, I have morning devotion, you know, two minutes of God in prayer in the morning, and I'll read this. Let me say, you don't get this spending two minutes with God a day. Oh, I love those Christ-honoring children. Boy, I just, I just, boy, I see families that I just, I love their kids and I want that product. Let me say, there's a lot of work that goes into getting that product. I've heard people tell me, well, I'm, I'm waiting until my kids get to be four and five and, and then I'll really start working hard with them. I'll really start training them. You're crazy. You don't get a four and five year old like this if you don't plant when they're one and two and three, I love my children. They're by far not perfect. They'll, they'll spend time up at my mom's house and my aunt, she'll always tell me, boy, Steve, Krista and Tyler, she never says Zach, uh, Krista and Tyler, just thought, boy, they, we have so much fun with them. They listen, uh, they pay attention, they carry on conversations. They're so much fun to be around. They're, they've got a great spirit. You know what, that didn't come from not planting any seeds. That came from a wife who at home when the kids were one and two and three began planting things that you reap when they're four and five. And when they're four and five, she was planting things that we've reaped now that they're seven, eight, and nine. And you know what, we can't stop. Because I desire teenagers that have that same spirit. I desire teenagers that are Christ-honoring, that love the Lord, and they serve him faithfully with a cheerful spirit and a cheerful heart. We can now, I believe we've got good kids today, but you can't stop planning if you want good kids a year from now or two years from now. You get what you plant. Number one, we said you must plant today, you'll reap later. Number two, you're going to reap what you planted. Number three, you must persevere through the planting and the waiting. You must persevere through the planting and the waiting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. You know, most anything that really matters in life, especially that which is spiritual, has a time of planting, but also has a period of waiting. Think about Caleb. 45 years later, I want that mountain because it belongs to me. I sowed a seed 45 years ago, and I've not gotten weary with well-doing. I still have faith today, and I'm claiming that promise of God 45 years later. I wasn't planning on calling Zach up to pray this morning. I think that was the Holy Spirit's, I think that was the Holy Spirit's working. You know, I mentioned Zach and him teaching, are you class? I really wish I could claim a part of that. You know what I'm talking about? Pastor, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I wish, well, I wish I could put my stamp on that one, that I had something to do with that. Was Zach? No, not at all. Not at all. Do you know what that was? 
That was a faithful mom and dad who instilled some biblical character and some real Christianity in a young man's heart and life. Now, if they were here this morning, and I don't see them, they're not here today, are they? If they were here this morning, I'd ask them. There were some years in there that they were waiting. Zach, am I right? There were some years in there where a young man who knew the word of God, Zach might be able to quote more scripture than I can quote. There's a young man who knows the word of God, but there's a young man who spent some time away from God. I can't imagine that waiting period at times for mom and dad. Ah, but mom has testified. She shared with me, Pastor Foster, do you know what it means to me? Coming here to this church and seeing Zach serve the Lord. Woo! Yes! What is she saying? I planted some seeds and I had to wait. But boy, the harvest, the harvest is wonderful. You must plant today what you'll reap later. You're going to keep reaping. You're going to reap what you planted. You must persevere through the planting and the waiting. And number four, lastly this morning, you must keep planting to keep reaping. You must keep planting to keep reaping. Life happens. We get older. We go through circumstances. And you and I, if we desire to have a Christianity like this, you can't stop planting. How many times have we seen somebody who at one point had a life like this, but today has a life like this? Or worse off, nothing. God's been removed from their life. Or God's hardly visible in their life. How does that happen? I have people that I looked up to, people that I love, people that I strove to model my life after. And yet today they're this. What, what happens? Somebody stopped planting. Somebody stopped planting. You decide, if I desire to keep an authentic Christianity, I've got to keep sowing seeds that reap authentic Christianity. Maybe your marriage this morning is strong, but how many understand if you want to keep it strong, you better keep planting some seeds. Some of you have been alive long enough to watch your walk with God hit some mountaintops, and also hit some valleys. And you could testify this morning that those valleys, many of them, not all, but many of them came because for a while you stopped planting the things that lead to this harvest. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We come back to Caleb. Caleb's standing there. Maybe his children, he's 85, his grandchildren, maybe some great-grandchildren, they're all there. Woo! Harvest time! We're reaping the benefit of a seed planted. 
45 years later. What do you want to reap? This year? What do you want to reap this decade? What are you willing to plant to get there? I'm closing and I'll be brief. There are a few different people groups you could say this morning that I pray would be challenged this morning by these thoughts. And each one of the people groups really kind of fit into each one of the four points. The first group we could say is the new Christians this morning. Many of you, you've just started your walk of faith. Many of you, you've just placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You're still a new believer. You're still a new Christian. And we look around the room and we want to say, oh, I want to be like my Sunday school teacher. I want to have a marriage like them. And I want to have kids like them. And I want to have all the, all the things that I see. I want to have that time. Let me encourage you with point number one. You must plant today what you'll reap later. I'm so proud of so many of you who you're planting seeds right now. And I, I know you don't see this, this unbelievable harvest yet. And you don't see all the changes yet in your relationship. And you don't see all the blessings yet of those seeds that you're planting. But you're planting nonetheless. I'm so proud of you today. Keep planting those seeds. There's a second group. I believe my wife and I would fall into this group. Second generation, third generation, some fourth generation Christians. We've had parents model this Christianity. But we don't get this just because we had parents that had this. We don't get a walk with God like our parents had just with one or two days in the Bible. We don't get a Christian life like our parents and grandparents had with just going to church once, just once a week. And today, we've got to start planting because we're going to reap what we plant. That was number two. There's a third group of people. That's so many of you who have been faithfully planting. You've been faithfully planting. And thank you. Thank you for your example. Thank you for your work. Thank you for the model that you've been to us who are, are still at that beginning. And I believe that that third point would be an encouragement to you. Keep persevering through the planning and the waiting. Maybe it's not been 45 years yet. And I hope it's not 45 years for you. But we have a promise from God that if we won't faint, that we will reap from the seeds that we've planted. And so persevere. Then there's a fourth group this morning. Maybe you've planted seeds and you've harvested those seeds, but you've taken a break. I had it to illustrate this morning because of time I won't. You've taken a break and what was once this is now this. I want to encourage you to get back to planting. You can do it. You can be this again. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Oh, it's my prayer this year, in this decade. You reap a harvest that you decided to sow today.